1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Uh, my name is Dominic Booth and I'm delighted to be joined by Tyro Marshall and Samuel Luckhurst as usual. How are you both, gentlemen?
0: Very well, Very thank good. you, thank
1: Dom. You. Very good. Good to hear, good to hear. And it's another big game for Manchester United this weekend. take on Liverpool again, this time in the FA Cup, after an important winning midweek over Fulham. 2-1 victory for United at Craven Cottage. So we'll, we'll talk about both those games and a few bits in between. Samuel, you were at the lovely Craven Cottage in midweek. Got to be one of my favourite grounds. And United produced a, a really dogged and determined performance to to bounce back from from some early, I guess you'd say, controversy with a penalty and the early setback of the the Luckman goal. How did you see that as a as a performance?
2: Uh, unfortunately craven cottage as you say is one of those bucolic grounds but it, it wasn't it really didn't look like that uh in in the week given the the weather and uh the riverside stand at the moment it's just pretty much at the construction site i think time is me its it saying, saying that Ben Thornley on MUTV had said it's not really changed since i played there but obviously there's a whole stand that's been bulldozed and uh, I think probably the last time he did play there the, the puck the was, was still uh, terraced so it, it has changed a fair bit despite that but I, I suspected going into that game that again it wouldn't be It wouldn't be a cakewalk for United. I know they've got a habit of um, grinding out wins away from home, and they've not had an easy away win, uh, I would say, since probably the Villa game in July. And even that match, they were bailed out by a very, very dubious penalty award. Villa were pretty good up until that point. So they have a habit of making it difficult for themselves, of conceding first in games. But, um, I mean, that kid, who's a Fulham supporter, chief football writer at the Sun, he was sat along from me after Fulham scored, and he said, "Oh, this this always happens, doesn't it? I United always concede away from home, and then they go on and win." So the final score wasn't a surprise at all, but what i'd say is that after they went to one up and cavani had that header which he, he really should have scored it was a decent save by ariola but i think it was more a bad miss they did make it difficult for themselves needlessly i think solcar took too long to make a substitution to re-energize the team to to, to make them just to reinforce them as well because Fulham there's such a physical side, and I think that's a credit to Park. And that since Jamie Carragher said that I've never been so certain as anything in my life as Fulham getting relegated. When he said that, I suspect everyone agreed with him. But they have they've made some good additions to the team since then. They've got a lot of loan players in, but players that are clearly committed to the cause. And towards the end, United were were hanging on in there and pretty lucky that they didn't concede. As I said before the game, I wouldn't have been surprised if United had dropped points there and, and certainly drawn, and it, it did come close to that. But it, it was another important win. I think it was essential that they won that game as well after the Anfield game where there was a little bit of criticism um, in some course over their approach in that match, not, not from me. And I think the criticism that came out from Jamie Carragher on the Monday night um, Monday Night Football was was well overboard, but they had to back up that performance and get an accreditable point there by beating Fulham. The problem a few years ago, um, after they had that, you know, where I, I do think they were unambitious. Anfield and drew nil nils. That the next week they went to Huddersfield, lost that game, and the wheels came off of, of the title challenge. Effectively, that's that's where it all collapsed there and then. So um, history didn't repeat itself in that sense. but you do wonder how how much longer they can go on. Winning away games, winning games like this, because again, it gives the illusion that we're in the business end of the season or the final stretch is just around the corner when in reality we're only at the halfway stage. And those gritty wins, although they're very commendable and it shows that there's real metal about this team, they're likely to come proper sooner or later and they'll run out of time to get a winner.
1: Yeah, so I saw a stat, tie that United have won more than double. The amount of points um, from losing positions in any, any other team in the division, and I guess that it shows the the mentality, if nothing else, built by this uh, this Solsha coaching staff and the players that he's brought in, the likes of Cavani. You know, they are willing to scrap for everything. Fernandez obviously embodies that more than any anyone. But is Samuel got a point? Is is this sort of unsustainable for the rest of the season if United could continue the title charge?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's unsustainable away from home because they've got some very difficult away games to come in the second half of the season. I think they've got four of the big six. I mean, it's it's dubious still keeping Arsenal in the big six, but we'll go with it for now just to to prove this point um, to play away from home. So they've still got to go to Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, City. I mean, if they start poorly and go behind in some of those games, then you'd imagine, yes, it is unsustainable. I mean, what it does do is it, it breeds incredible belief that when you do go behind, it doesn't have to be you know, cataclysmic and the end of the world. So, <clears throat> excuse me, when they do concede early against Fulham and start slowly against Fulham, having come back so many times, it kind of imbues that belief that they can do it again and they don't panic. And it was clear on, um, when was it Wednesday? Now that they, you know, they didn't panic. They kept calm, they kept playing. It, it probably helps that it's so early, but they responded to going behind brilliantly, um, I thought. And I think that's born out of the fact that they have come back so often now that when they do concede first, there's no need to panic. But, yeah, I think given some of the fixtures they've got away from home, and, and it seems to be an issue more away from home than at home, that it is going to be unsustainable. The, the slow starts are a concern as well. They seem to have eroded them, but suddenly they're they're back really, and they were pretty sloppy even before the goal at Fulham on on Wednesday. And you know the defending for the goal and the communication was was really poor. They looked half asleep really, so they will want to erode that from their game. But you know it, it just shows the belief that once you've done it two or three times, come from behind to win, you just keep doing it because you have that immense belief that you have conceded and you can get back on track and, and get the victory.
1: Yeah, and, and nobody embodying that better at the moment than poor Pogba. Samuel, we've talk, we've spoken about Pogba many times on this podcast. We've we've sort of gone from one extreme to the other, really, as have United fans on him, what Solskjaer should do with him, with the comments from Raiola, the inevitable departure that we think will happen in the summer. But, I guess we've we've put all that aside now and United have put all that aside to to get the best from Pogba and I guess his attitude is is commendable in in recent weeks and also is the way that the Solskjaer's handled him
2: his pre- his professionalism has never been an issue with the club even during the the tour of Australasia and and Asia when he had come out and said it was time for a new challenge. United were actually quite keen to clarify that his professionalism wasn't a problem. That he was committed in training, he was playing in games. There, there were some mischievous stories at the time that he he'd refused to travel to Cardiff, things like that. But I just think they were just so sensationalistically spun. That they were just inaccurate. Um, it, it wasn't like he was refused to travel or anything like that. But I think some some of the Spanish speaking. Reporters were doing the bidding of Madrid at the time, just trying to create mischief when there was none whatsoever. And as you say, United are starting to to maximise his his talent. Uh, he's, he's been very, very good in the last three or four weeks. I think sometimes when you look at it, on the, when you just step back and look at the games he's played well in, it's probably three or four games, but they've been three or four games in succession. And it's two weeks running that he's, he's scored a win. Um, Away from home as well in, in, in really important matches. I think one of the, I mean, the, the strike was phenomenal. I was, I was right behind it. I was fortunate to have a great view of it and knew that it was going in pretty much before it entered the, um before the ball actually entered the penalty area. But looking at the replay, there's so much more to admire about it. Like the way he brings the ball down in those conditions with the swirling rain, he kills it, he brings it inside. Fulham didn't do much wrong other than just underestimate his. Uh, capacity to hit the ball that cleanly with his with his weaker foot, and th- it was just it was just another indication of what, what a talent he is. And as I've said before, it's it's strange that we re- we refer to Pogba and his talent when this is a player that turns twenty eight a couple of months time. But that's that's just the way it's been with him back at United. And at the moment, he absolutely has to start. He has to be accommodated. I think Solskjaer's use of him at Fulham was completely correct in that he played him back in central midfield in one of those, in that deep line role where he can control the game more. I think playing him there is, is fair game against teams like Fulham, teams outside of the big five, as we might as well call it now, as, as Ty said. Arsenal are, really are an absolute relevance, despite United's horrendous record against them. Um, well, we get Leicester
1: in the big six maybe as well these days instead of Arsenal.
2: Yeah, well I mean that was a contentious point because obviously there's a, that big six table on match the day that consisted of seven teams and Everton fans were quite unhappy that they weren't um being that they were completely omitted from it as well. So um I think I lost my trail of, of thought here. But it's essentially Pogba is playing well and yes, against certain teams I don't think he should be playing in central midfield, but the way he's playing at the moment, he absolutely has to play and there are ways of accommodating him and who cares if you put Anthony Marshall's nose out of joint because at the moment he certainly doesn't deserve to be starting.
1: Ty, is this, is this Pogba sort of filling in the only blot on his copybook in his career? We've seen him shine with Juventus and win Serie A titles. We've seen him grace the World Cup and and that's what sometimes been used as a stick to beat him with at United, the fact that he is a World Cup winner and that he hasn't matched that level of performance at Old Trafford. But now it seems that he's making a charge, maybe in the last year of his United career, to to win major honours with with his the club that obviously brought him through the academy. Is, is this sort of Pogba trying to silence a few of those doubters? Do you think?
0: I think it's just a almost circumstance, really. I think he's suddenly playing in a team that's got players of a, a similar level to him and and are on the same wavelength. Certainly in Bruno Fernandez, and I mean the two teams you mentioned previously, Juventus and France, were brilliantly coached teams, full of world class players, where Pogba knew his role. And I think for too long at United, that's not been the case, really. There's, there's been changes in managers, changes in personnel, too many players who, who, frankly, were stealing a living playing every week for Manchester United. And, you know, I don't think Pogba necessarily has, has felt comfortable in, in those teams. I think if you took Pogba out of United and went and put him in the Burnley team, I think he's more likely to sink to their level than sort of their, their rise to his level, if you know what I mean. If you took Bruno Fernandes at United team and put him in the Burnley team, I think he'd get very frustrated, but I think he'd lift players up rather than necessarily sink to their level. And I think that's always been the thing with Pogba, that if you put him in a world-class team, then he's going to make that team better, but not necessarily be able to, to lift the team up. And for too long at United, that's been the case, really, that he's been the person, you know, he's been the one world-class star in a team that's not functioning properly. So the pressure's been on him to perform, and he's not really coped with that. Now the whole team's performing. The team are very well coached at the moment. Everyone knows their game. There's players, Pogba, can bounce off like Fernandez, And I think you, you're getting the best out of him. And, you know, it, it might be, he's certainly in the best form for, for two years since Oscar's honeymoon period, perhaps longer than that now, really, given the way he's, he's influencing games, you know, more consistently. It, then he was scoring goals and assisting, but from a high position. Now he's influencing games a little bit more in an all-round midfield performance. So you've got to say it's his best form probably in, in more than two years and you know perhaps his, his best performances as a whole for United. And I mean, if it can continue until the end of the season, then I think it puts them and with a serious chance of, of winning the title because you look at a midfield that contains Pogba and Fernandez, and, and there's probably none better in the Premier League even when City have got De Bruyne fit.
1: Absolutely yeah it's interesting for me just just another point on Pogba is that the discussion was always about where he should play in midfield and and people would argue what his best best position was. So, Solskjaer seems to have flipped that on his head and Pogba's now being used almost as a, a Swiss army knife as a player playing on the left on the right Deeper midfield, wherever wherever you like. And, and that's sort of a testament to Solskjaer and, and Pogba as well, I guess. Um, just one more, Samuel, on, on Pogba. Is there any chance that this spur to form and that a United title challenge could change a situation regarding his future? Or are we still looking at an exit in the summer? You
2: know, uh, to, to a million to dollar quote, question, look, isn't it? To, I, I No, I don't think it is, but to. Uh... I don't know to, to quote Lloyd Lloyd Christmas. So you're saying there's a chance, you know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> like it's it's kind of like that that that, that scenario really. I mean, it, I do find that talk quite quite tedious. It's it's obviously the um, it's the go-to topic just because he's he is playing well and United are top and and they're doing well, and also there is I think the justifiable qualm or what certainly works in United's favour is that can you really see Barcelona Real Madrid spending 80-odd million pounds on him in the summer? United shouldn't, nec- shouldn't be saying, look, we'll, we'll take the £20 million pound hit on this player just to get rid of him. No way are they going to do that if he manages to sustain this form until the end of the season. So it's a strange set of circumstances in that they might end up losing him for no fee at all next year. I, I can I can see that happening just because of the pandemic. But then, do United have to compromise as to just getting a fee for him? Because they really cannot afford to lose him for, for to, to let him go on a free. Uh, it's there are so many nuances at play here, and I think if he does end up at United beyond the summer and he stays there, then I don't think it's through his own will. I think it's because the pandemic has caused a, you know, it's it's like the the Wall Street crash in terms of its impact on on the transfer market and how depressed it is. I don't think Madrid even spent a penny in the summer. I think they they were that frugal um, with their finances. So because of that maybe and um, where there's an opportunity with Pogba a year left in his contract, there's a year left on Kim his contract if he hasn't signed a renewal by the time the summer window comes along, then maybe they can justify spending money on, on one of those players. But I, I don't envisage I really can't see Madrid going out there and signing both those players in a in a post-pandemic, or I mean, the pandemic will still be probably still ongoing. You don't know what the vaccination rate will be like in Spain, in France. It's it is impossible to tell. I think that if if there is some kind of normality in terms of the window, then Pogba will go and United win the title. It's it's a happy divorce. It's it's very very amicable in that he's actually in a very improbable way um entered his career winning in the premier league title so although that people would say well that's an incentive for him to stay it's as much an incentive for him to go because he wants to play in spain or go back to to italy as i said before his his wife's bolivian um you know there's a spanish speaking side to it there's just the the career the careerist in Pogba that wants to play for real madrid as well which is completely understandable. Or Don't hold that against him. The only issue that there's been during his, um, his desire to play in Spain is how he and his agent have conducted themselves um, on a number of occasions. But it seems like there's a, you know, there, there's a detente there for the time being uh, until the end of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know my hair's starting to resemble Lloyd Christmas in uh in a lockdown, but I'll try not to take a Dumb and Dumber <laughs> reference as a, as too much of a slight. Well, we'll quickly move
2: say, on. I was going to say, I, I was going <laughs> maybe more Anton Sugar from No Country for the Old Men.
1: Oh, you see, that's a reference too highbrow a reference for me. I get the Dumb and Dumber <laughs> references. Uh, we'll quickly move on to. There's a, a another big game for United this weekend against Liverpool. We're going to have to talk about. About that FA Cup game a little bit later. But let's let's talk about the title race as it now stands. And Liverpool's result against Burnley. Uh, we're recording this on the Friday lunchtime. That that result on Thursday night tie seems to have injected United fans with even more hope about their their title hopes this season. Gary Neville lauding it over over Jamie Carragher and Liverpool fans, as you probably would expect. So I think that. There's multiple videos now of Neville opening a bottle of champagne after various (laughs) Liverpool results. Uh, What do you make of it? Look, I don't think personally that Liverpool are out of the title race. I think obviously going through a lull at the moment, City probably, you'd say, the favourites. How how do you see that? The race as it goes?
0: I think I think City have to be favourites at the moment, uh, given the way they've been performing recently. I think for Liverpool, we're going to find out over the next month whether it's over for them or not. Uh, I mean, City are favourites because they've had a month of very amenable fixtures and have taken advantage by winning every single one of them and looking good doing it generally. Liverpool have had a month of amenable fixtures, you know, apart from that United game and have fluffed their lines in in every one of them. So, I think there's been a major, a major swing there in terms of who we can expect to challenge and, and who's going to be United's closest challenges, should we say, or the team United have to beat. Um, I mean, yeah, Liverpool are six points behind, but you know, it's a team that's got ninety-seven and ninety-nine points I think over the last two seasons. So we know they can perform. They're not looking on it right now, and the problem is they've they've had this bad run of results against you know relatively poor teams, and now they've got some really difficult games over the next month. So. So to stand a chance, they probably have to win those. You know, they'd be beating Tottenham, they'd be beating Leicester, and beating City. So, come this time next month, we'll probably know for sure whether Liverpool are completely out of it or if they've managed a, a revival. On on current evidence, you'd have to say they're out of it. But this is a season, really, that's kind of made fools of all of us with with predictions. I mean, we all thought United were in for a slog of a season in October when they lost 6 1 to Tottenham. Tottenham have been in a title race, out of a title race, and they're now back in a title race. So, we're not even halfway through the season. Chelsea were in a title race and are now a laughingstock and should sack their manager. So, you know, things have changed so quickly this season that the idea of making any kind of long-term predictions is a... A fool's paradise, really, and it's it, you know, it's already made false of, of quite a lot of us. And I think the way Tottenham season's panned out is, is a prime example that they were flavour of the month. Then Mourinho was finished again, and, and now they're back in a title race. So it shows how quickly things can change. But on the evidence of the past month, City and United look two most informed teams in the league at the moment, and the two you'd have to say are, are most likely, maybe along with Leicester and, and Tottenham at the moment. But I think it's probably a little too early to write off Liverpool, but the next month we'll we'll probably be instructive on that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, a a fool's errand uh, to make predictions, which is why I'm always asking uh, you two to make predictions (laughs) on this podcast. Um, But I I guess, guess, Samuel, it's United's game against the big teams. And you maybe look back on that game against Liverpool at Anfield with the missed opportunities uh, for United to win the game. Uh, United really have to improve that record against the bigger sides if they're to sustain a challenge in the, the second half of the season because I think it's one goal against those teams and two points or three points and that, what, that one penalty, goal in a 6-1 yeah. defeat. Yeah, in a six, yeah, a penalty in a 6-1 defeat. So also needs to address that or rediscover what he had last season against the big teams.
2: It's difficult to explain that that drop-off um, in, in performances in, in those games, because that record last season was was very good. There's, there's the quirk against Arsenal in that they've they've not beaten Arsenal in in the league since since Wenger left. I think it's probably five games. They've lost what um, lost three and drawn two against them. So that's that's an odd one. Um, but if if you were to go through the games individually this season, Tottenham obviously they were just annihilated and they were out of sorts um, I think they'd have lost that game comfortably even if Marshall wasn't sent off the Chelsea game I'd say Chelsea were extremely unambitious and went to Old Trafford looking for a 0-0 draw they got it Arsenal it's a daft foul by Pogba Arsenal score their penalty um, United were very very tepid that day the City game it was almost it felt to me like the Man- Mancunian equivalent of West Germany Austria in the 82 World Cup where they just agreed to a 1-0 result so that Algeria wouldn't get wouldn't get through and those two teams qualified. That that was a really, really strange start that played out, especially in front of no supporters. City were the better side in the Carabao Cup. And United you know, missed a couple of very good opportunities at, at Anfield where they, they certainly grew into the game in the second half, but the overall performance was, certainly from the forwards, was, was problematic and Solskjaer was probably a problem in the way he set them up as well in that he thought Rashford could cut it as a centre forward. You know, Anthony Marshall I think Alexander Arnold's not been having a good time with it late, but then you come up against Anthony Marshall and suddenly it's it's the pick me up that you need cause Marshall just for whatever reason, whenever his nose is put out of joint, um he doesn't react well to it. So it, it is, it, as I said, it's a strange record that, that certainly needs addressing if they are to come come close to win the title. Because as Ty said, they've got these these away games at Tottenham City and Chelsea to come in the second half of the season, which are going to be key. But going into this weekend's one, it's it, it, it is difficult to, it's just a weird one because... Liverpool are there for the taking at the moment, but United have a certain way of approaching these games where pragmatism has has gotten through them. Certainly last season, I know they beat Chelsea 4-0 in the weekend, but I'd say the first hour of that game, Chelsea were the better side, and the game just turned its head when Harry Maguire dispossessed Tammy Mm -hmm. Abraham, and United scored on the breakaway, and after that, they ran right. But they, they don't really take the front-foot approach in these games against the elite. Um, City were beaten twice last season. And, OK, the first half of, of the Derby United probably could have scored four goals because of the way they were counter-attacking. But Solskjaer recently accepted that, you know, there was an element of them having to hold on and be defensive for pretty much the whole second half. But with the players they've got in the form they've got at the moment, you'd think maybe now's the time to try and, you know, step up with that front footers approach and certainly the way Liverpool are playing, although Liverpool are going to be very, very dangerous. It's the whole cliched wounded animal aspect after the Burnley defeat. You would still encourage United to try and take the game more than they did at Anfield. And I don't blame them the way they played at Anfield. I think it was perfectly understandable the way they approached that game and balance was was reasonable it was just that Fernandez had probably his worst game for the club Rashford was offside more often than Filippo Inzaghi and Marshall was Marshall was Marshall at the moment so um, I think it depends on how he get how he shapes the attack this weekend I, I don't think there's any justification for Marshall starting but the problem is okay Rashford and Cavani if they start who plays on the right Pogba seems to be seems to of a waste to play Pogba there. Although he p- performed quite respectably at Liverpool, I think you want him in a different kind of role. So maybe it's him on the left, Rashford on the right, Cavani up top, Fernandes behind them. That that would probably be my attacking quartet going into that game.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see because obviously some players who are, are out of form and maybe you say that the FA Cup is the perfect time to, to get them into something approaching uh, better form. There's the, the Van der Beek issue that we keep talking about. I'm not going to Bang that drum as much on this podcast because it, it, I think it probably we need to wait and see whether he does start the, the Liverpool game or not. Um, a chance for Ahmad giallo maybe Tyrone after his arrival, or is it maybe a little bit too soon for for him, especially in a game like this against Liverpool?
0: I think it's probably a little bit too soon given how sort of. Greening is in terms of, of senior first-team football. I mean, I don't think he's completed 90 minutes yet in, throughout his career of all his, his sub-appearances for Atalanta, so he's still very inexperienced. So I think throwing him in, in an FA Cup fourth-round tie against Liverpool is, is probably a little too soon. I would mean, be interested to what, see what changes both teams make really. Liverpool have treated the cup with disdain under Klopp, really. I think the strong team he picked at Villa in the last round was purely because they had so long between games. You wouldn't be surprised if he made changes this time around, and you know, Solskjaer's been, been the tinker man, really, this season. He's been the king of rotation with the changes he's made, probably with the idea of, of keeping players fresh come March, which, which looks a pretty astute plan. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I certainly, I mean, I know you're not going to mention van der Beek. I would consider starting him ahead of Fernandes, to be honest, and just sort of throw him in at the deep end, because he needs games as well. I mean, he's not come off the bench since the last FA Cup game. And Fernandes, I know Solskjaer passionately defended the idea against Fernandes being tired last week, and, and he was probably proven right on. Wednesday with the way Fernandez played at Fulham, but he other than Harry Maguire, he's played the most minutes for United in all competitions this season. It, it's twice it, they played twice a week in September. They're going to play twice a week until the end of next month at the very least. You'd have thought possibly longer than that. And you know, Fernandez does need a rest because although was taking the the heat off him a bit. It, he's still United's key man really. So be interesting to see the the level of changes that the both teams make really Um it does feel like an option for an opportunity for United to, to get some goals Samuel touched on it before and you know they've not scored from open play against any of the big six since the Manchester derby which was the last game before lockdown back in March I think then they've only had penalties to show from from eight games against them so it shows that suddenly the, the goal scoring touches deserted them and it, I mean it's a bit of a quirk all right going back to the title race that you know I think we were all writing in June and July when Rashford Greenwood and Martial were Pretty much scoring in every game that United had a front three capable of winning the league. And yet all three of them are underperforming their numbers last season. And here we are with United sat top of the league. Um, So it's a bit of a quirk, really, that what seemed to be United's strength hasn't fired as much this season. And it's not, you know, it's not cost them just yet. But, you know, all three of those have, have had their struggles. Martial has particularly been poor, Greenwood's having a difficult season and, and Rashford sort of firing in fits and starts. So maybe a chance to get a bit of confidence into them. And, and if they can find the back of the net and, and kind of end that that record against the big six and just look a bit more confident in one of these games, then it'll probably give them some confidence, especially going to Arsenal next weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It'd be an interesting one to to watch this weekend and see. Uh, I do agree, by the way, I think Van Der Beek should start. I, I just wanted to maybe wait <laughs> until we, he does or he doesn't, until we have the debate once again about... Uh, about his playing time but uh, maybe an issue we can come on in next week's podcast I'm going to ask you both uh, a prediction of sorts Uh, come to you first Samuel because you love predictions so much it obviously depends on what kind of team United play Uh, I I think I said earlier in the week that they should maybe stagger four or five changes across the two of these games this week Uh, do you think that will happen and and if so do you think that relatively strong United team that we should see uh, is capable of winning this one?
2: Was was it two changes at Fulham? Was it was it by Cavani? Was it by Cavani and that was it, was it wasn't more. it? I think
0: was it just those was two? It? Maybe it was two. I thought it was three, but maybe it was two. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can
2: I can see that four or five changes because you'd think I think Emerson's going to start, and I think what the the interesting thing is the at the risk of underestimating Sheffield United, but I think it's fair to do that. United yeah. are playing them in their midweek game. And that seems like a game where you can make four or five changes and get away with it, uh, given that w- although there's this whole level playing field of behind-closed-doors games, um, Sheffield United just seemed destined for the championship, unfortunately. I, I don't think there's a team that have missed their supporters more more than them this season. So that is maybe one that, because United are playing Liverpool this weekend and Liverpool having you know had... Was was Salah and was Salah and Marnie on the bench last night? They were, weren't they? They started on the bench.
0: No, Marnie started, I think. Sorry, Marnie like...
2: started, but
0: Henderson Salah didn't came. Started, on.
1: Did
0: Henderson no, didn't he start. Needed. So, so Liverpool, although as as Ty said, you
2: know they they have treated the cup with disdain, pretty much deliberately getting themselves knocked out in probably two or three of the last four seasons on the clock. I think that uh, given the results they've had, they are going to have to treat it a little more seriously, even if they do put. Um, Callagher and goal and make it and on the on the off chance they make strange decisions like that. Um, but they they probably played a stronger side than expected at, at Villa in the in the last round. So United have got to I think United have got to treat it like they treated the Fulham game in the week and that they do limit the changes. Okay, Henderson comes in, Rashford probably comes in. I think it's one of those games that's for McTominay and Fred as well. Other than that, I wouldn't be surprised if there are many more changes. Maybe Lindelof depending on whether he's fit or not. And then you can maybe, you, know, you can bring Van der Beek in for the Sheffield United game. I just don't think it's the time to be experimental with Van der Beek. And frankly, Van der Beek had such a dismal December when he did have chances to play that I I'd still think this, this game is too big for him, um, which is a strange thing to say about someone, of, of, about a player who's as good as he is and who has the pedigree he does. But that's just the way it's been going for him this season. But given the way United are going at the moment, I, I do fancy them to win. I, I, I fancied them to win before Liverpool, surprisingly, lost to Burnley.
1: Yeah, I've got to say, I do fancy them to win as well. Uh, Tyrone, your prediction before we, we wrap up today's episode?
0: Um, I would I, I agree with Samuel on Van der Beek, firstly. I, I do think he's probably not done enough to, to start, but it kind of feels like he needs a, a litmus test game like this. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he didn't start. Prediction, I think United will have too much as well. I think a lot, I mean, this could look foolish when the teams are announced because a lot depends on team selections. But on current form, you've got to think United will will have too much. And, you know, it it could well be comfortable if they get an early lead and and Liverpool's confidence disappears. So, yeah, I think United, United 2-0, as routine as this kind of game can get.
1: That's uh, Tyrone with a classic Samuel tactic there, saying so we should do a pre- and post-team news prediction. Uh, may- maybe we should do a special post-team news podcast to, uh, to quickly get those predictions in. Uh, but thank you very much, uh, Tyrone and Samuel, um, for your contributions today. Thanks for watching. If you've been watching this on our Facebook Live, and thank you uh, for listening. Please subscribe and share, and we'll be back for another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast very soon. Thanks for listening.